Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 109 of the Big Planet Comics Podcast, the most comprehensive comic book podcast on the internet. Man, we're almost in the double, triple digits. <laughs> Yep. Does that make we sense? Should, yeah, I think I understand it what you mean. It does right now. You mean like when we get to 110, we'll right. be there. Yeah, right. sure. No, because um, we have to be 111. Zero doesn't count. Nope. Zero doesn't count, Nick. It's not a digit. It's not a digit. <laughs> it's a not. It's not anything. We just. Uh, my name is Kevin, by the way. I'm Nick. I'm Jared. We just listened to the new Twin Shadow song. So good. To get pumped up for this podcast. <laughs> so pumped. I should just have that song as a sample on here. <laughs> so good. Whoa. Uh, yeah, so um, we are here. We were not here last week. Were we here the week before? Yeah, I don't even know. We were the week before, but not the week before that. We're getting very inconsistent with this podcast. <laughs> I think since we split, we have you know, lives. we used to all be in one store, and now we're in two stores, and, and things get things get complicated. Yeah. We've been in two stores for like a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, well, things have been complicated for that long. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, so uh, so we got two weeks of stuff to talk about. Yep. So yeah. that should be pretty exciting. Double whammy. Uh, that's two weeks of comics. That's two weeks of news. That's two weeks of questions. It's two weeks of our lives. Yeah. Nick, what have you been doing? <laughs> Man, skip to Jared. Jared, what have you been doing? <laughs> uh, let's see. I went to the Mocha Arts Festival up in Manhattan two weekends ago to... Uh, co-sell with our partners in publishing retrofit uh which was really cool it was set up in the armory which is apparently the site of like a dadaist art show or something like in the 19th like, century oh okay i don't know something weird but anyway uh now it's, it's still an armory so uh there are a bunch of dudes shipping out to go fight somewhere which was really a weird contrast when we were loading our stuff in we're like we're selling comic books don't die and they're like we're protecting your freedom yep give me some free comic books yeah i gave them free comic books uh, but they uh, somehow managed to get uh, the Charlie Brown uh, balloon from the Macy's Day Parade, which was floating in the air above the convention the whole time. Wow. Which was really surreal, especially when it started slowly deflating over Saturday. So it got a little lower every Literally, hour. like, the only thing I heard about from Mocha was that Charlie Brown balloon. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't hear anybody say, like, hey, this cool book came out at Mocha. Everybody was just like, Charlie Brown balloon. Yep. Well, there's some good books. Uh, there was the Escapo, the reprint of the old Paul Pope book in oh. color, which looked awesome. And that's coming out for real soon, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, there was Nick Bertozzi's new book, uh, Persimmon Cup, which we just got. I haven't had a chance to read it. Uh, there's some other cool ones. I can't remember. Uh, but most importantly, I was sitting directly across from Fiona Staples. So I got to go over and say hello, and she was super awesome and really cool. And I walked past, uh, she was doing a panel later in the day, and I just happened to be going past the room. And I just glanced in, and they had a giant, you know, uh, slide up on the wall. It said, Fiona Staples, Goblin Friend, or something like that. And it had scenes from Labyrinth, and I'm like, I'm missing the greatest <laughs> panel ever. Uh, but she was really cool. Uh, but yeah, uh, so it was fun. Uh see what else. My friend uh, Kadar and Aaron got married on Sunday in a Hindu-slash-American-Jewish wedding, which was entertaining and eight hours long or something congratulations kadar and aaron yep it was awesome uh no horses involved but there was a priest and uh, a holy fire and they held an umbrella over his head and when they opened the umbrella rose petals fell out it was amazing whoa i'm like this is the way to do it i do that every day <laughs> yeah and there was choreographed uh, bollywood dancing later on which was pretty awesome yeah i heard you you partook you were part of that yeah i was in the the backup dancers basically that was pretty terrible that's okay though. Uh, and I did a bunch of other Bollywood stuff. Dance. Yeah, I moved. You're uh, never gonna make it in Bollywood. No, not at this rate. But Tom will not do. I'm, I'm gonna make it down there. Work my <laughs> way up. But yeah, I moved uh, houses. I don't even know. I haven't had a day off in like three weeks. Jared had a busy tired. time, you guys. Yep. Uh, What's Nick? going on, Nick? Yeah, what did you do, buddy? <laughs> I saw Captain America. <laughs> yeah, I saw, see, I, I haven't seen Captain America. I also saw Captain America. You guys win. All right, let's do some news. I'm just. Great. I'm gonna go home and cry. What else did I do? Captain oh, America was great. Wait, wait. I saw the raid too. Oh, I want to see that. Oh, man, snap. So the beginning, it's like two and a half hours long, which is way longer than it needs to be. And the first hour and a half is like a crime drama buildup that you're just like, what is going on? And then like the last hour is so violent. Is it like Uh, in an apartment building again? No, that's it. It's like literally all over, I don't know, wherever they are, in Jakarta or whatever. It's like, so this is the crime family that is being betrayed by this guy who's being double-crossed by this guy who's teaming up with this guy to take down this guy from within. And you're like, what? The setup of the first raid is like five minutes long. It's brilliant. It's like the opening scene. You're like, cool, we're going to go building. So is this one not as good, maybe? Yeah, in that terms, it was really way overextended. But it had some of the coolest, most violent fight scenes I've ever seen. I feel like Dread, the Judge Dread movie, is the real raid, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we're all the, the raid one. We're all the real, real raid two. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's cool. So I, yeah, Nick did his. He saw Captain tell America. Me, tell me how awesome it was. 
It was really awesome. It was really awesome. I think it's the best uh, Marvel movie since The Avengers. Yeah, definitely. And I actually really like Thor 2 a good bit. Right. But uh, I like that because it was kind of goofy and fun. But this was goofy and fun, but also action-packed and had a really bunch of great performances. I feel like Scarlett Johansson is ready for her own Black Widow movie. finally built her up enough. She's so good in this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Because, like, Avengers, she didn't have much to do. No, but she had a couple really great scenes. That's true. And uh, Anthony Mackie, who played the Falcon, was fantastic. Oh, awesome. Uh, And there were a lot of really... This might be the craziest of the comic book movies as far as, like, the kind of characters that show up. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's spoiling too much to say, at the beginning, uh, Batrock the Leaper is the first... (laughs) Is he still French? Uh, yeah, he's French. Oh, he's played amazing. by uh, Georges St. Pierre, the what? M- MMA fighter. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, and it's Man, pretty... he might be from is he Belgium, Canada? Belgium, Brussels? Oh, Belgium. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. close enough. Yeah, wow. but it was an awesome movie. Uh, besides that, what have I been doing? I started playing Magic the Gathering. Yep. So uh, look for uh, Kevin's Magic Corner coming up in a few episodes. <laughs> um, yep, I am a Wizard of the Coast. Nice. Uh, I'm not good at it or anything. I just learned the rules yesterday. We were playing by the wrong rules. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> complicated. Like, yeah. every time I've tried to play, like, the people who've played longer trump me with some weird esoteric, no, you didn't do that right. I'm like, this is, God, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't like you. I don't want to play this game with yeah, you. Yeah, if, if they're beating me because they know the rules better, that's not a fun game for me. What else did I do? I went to a flea market. I bought some videotapes. Which one? DC Fleet? Uh, the Civitan Flea Market. Whoa, what's that? Uh, it's out uh, outside of DC. DC Flea is like super hipstery, and it's is like it? people with like fancy cheeses and stuff. Oh yeah, but Apparently, uh, uh, Box Brown's wife was set up at that while we were in New York. At Mocha. She does like Etsy ish yep. stuff, right? Yeah. No, the Civitan, the one I went to, is more like like people selling just crap out of their houses. Yeah. And I bought some really good video videotapes. <laughs> I nice. bought Ninja Holocaust. Nice. Wow. And I bought a videotape called Seduced by a Vampire. Nice. This is the first one about a Jewish ninja? No, it wasn't anything like that. An, I think it was just an old kung Nazi fu movie ninja? that was renamed Ninja Holocaust, and they ah. put pictures of robots on the front. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's pretty great. Are there uh, robots in it? Uh, no. Oh. Because it's a VHS tape, <laughs> and they just put whatever they want on the cover. And um, I, I'm sure I did some other did stuff. Go to I Richmond? Know. I did go to Richmond. My wife got a tattoo. Hey, oh. Nice. Uh, really nice tattoo. I'll show you guys a picture of it after. Not you podcast listeners. Uh, it's, uh, just the people here in the room with me. <laughs> That's why you guys should come to more podcasts. Indeed. And yeah, so I did that. And um, yeah, that was a that was a fun day. But it was long. Yeah. It takes a really long time to get to Richmond. Longer than you would ever yeah. think it would. And it's like yeah, the an, most, hour, an hour and a half. It took me four it, and a half hours. You did it? <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. When did you leave? Yeah, I don't want to talk about traffic. We're oh. talking about it like... It, it's like uh, spring break week or something, yeah. I think. So everybody oh, yeah, was yeah. going to Destin, Florida or whatever. And plus, it's like all just like boring trees and occasionally boring cities. And then you're there and you're like, yeah. that was the worst drive. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't think I did much else. We should just do some news. That yeah, you guys awesome. did a lot more than me. I didn't do anything. Yeah, I played a bunch of video games. Infamous Second Son is really good. I started playing the, the new Disney. Uh, it's like if Animal Crossing is a game for babies, then like this Disney game I'm playing is a game for like people that haven't even been conceived of yet. <laughs> Disney Infinity? <laughs> no, it's like Disney Magical World and like oh, it's boy. like mag- it's like Animal Crossing except it takes place in Disney World. <laughs> oh, wait, right. I got another story. Okay. Uh, so uh, Chris Visions came up from Richmond. Oh yeah. The same day you went to Richmond and uh, he was super awesome and he wore a bow tie. Well, hey, traffic on the other really side cool. of the road was 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 all right. Yeah, yeah they I, said they made good time. I, <laughs> I didn't saw, even think about it. I saw a picture of Chris Visions. I was I was disappointed I, w- I didn't get to be there, but he looks like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> if he was like a little more Well, like 30 years more younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, was, he was really cool though. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah. And uh so that was cool. That seemed like it went pretty well. Yeah, so thanks everyone who came out to the signings. He uh, had a ton of art with him and was doing sketches and stuff. It was really cool. Speaking of signings, we got a bunch of signings coming oh, up. Oh man. All right. So here we go. Uh so coming up this weekend cuz I don't take a break. Uh Friday through Sunday is Awesome Con. We'll have a booth there. Come by say hello. Then Saturday, May 3rd, is Free Comic Book Day, and we're having the duo of Brooke Allen and Grace Ellis for Lumberjanes. We'll be at College Park Store in the morning and Vienna Store in the afternoon. Then the Wednesday after that, May fifth, uh, sorry, May 7th, Becky Cloonan and Sean Simon, who did True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys, will be at our Vienna Store from 7 to 9. So that is during and after the store closes, so it'll be more of a party. And then on Sunday, May 25th, and the Monday, May 26th, we'll be at Viva Vienna in Vienna, Virginia, uh, set up, giving away some free comics, just talking to people, 10 to 6. And Saturday, May 29th, at right. our D.C. location. May 31st. I get that one date wrong. Set Saturday, <laughs> May 31st, at our D.C. location, uh, we're going to have Box Brown signing his new book, Andre the Giant, Life and Legend, and Pat Alicia will also be there signing Bowman and various other things. Yep. And... Um, 
on Saturday, June 21st. It's free RPG day, which is like free comic book day, except nobody cares about it. Except you get yeah. rocket propelled grenades. <laughs> that was yeah, amazing. yeah. Free rocket propelled grenade day. Uh, we'll be here training people how to shoot <laughs> RPGs. And then we ship you to Ukraine. No, there's usually a bunch of free free stuff, free yep. dice and some Pathfinder adventures. Yeah, Pathfinder yep. adventures and Maybe stuff like that. Run. We'll find um, no magic cards, though. It's weird. No magic cards. I guess it's only I won't be there. Role playing games, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let's do some news, you guys. You ready? Okay. Let's do this. This just did. Holy crap. <laughs> Online retailer Amazon.com has purchased digital comics retailer Comixology. You heard that right now. All your comics will be delivered to your house by drones. <laughs> by drones. Yeah, that got. I heard it on the radio, like on NPR's Business Hour or something, and they so mangled Comixology. It was like, comma. Cosology, or something. They're like, like, oh boy. Co- Comizology. Yeah, it was worse than that. Comizology. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this is crazy, though. This is very strange. So, um, from what I understand, nobody knows exactly what this means yet, right? Nope. But I, I imagine they'll sort of, I, I imagine it'll mean a lot more comicsology integration with. Well, obviously, Amazon's just online store in yeah, general. Like, and probably the Kindle stuff, I would, yeah, I would guess. Tie it all together better. Yeah, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It'll be interesting to see if Comixology still does uh, stuff through iTunes as well. Oh, good point. And, stuff, and things like that. So, Because um, yeah. Kindle has a guided view thing like Comixology does, but it's like an option. Yeah, so but Kindle been, also they've, they've runs... They've been stealing ideas from Comixology for a while. Yeah, and they, you know, Comixology has an app that I think runs on the Kindle already yeah. as well. So sure. I don't know if they'll just, you know, integrate all this into their Kindle app or no, whatever. True. Yeah, or just into the operating system of those things or, or what. But it seems pretty crazy. And, interesting. Yeah, interesting. And, uh, hey, could be the death blow for us. Yep. We'll so see. Only if, <laughs> I, what if Amazon bought, like, Diamond? <laughs> oh, oh boy. Lord. Don't even... Yeah, That's that would be great. We'll we'll be carrying fifty times as many Adventure Time action <laughs> figures. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Um, that's yeah so we'll see yeah we'll see fingers crossed hey nick i heard there's some new news about teen titans <laughs> so in, in uh in in wonderful dc news dc announced two uh titles uh teen titans which is new teen titans is what it's called okay and uh grayson titans oh man i don't even want to talk about this anymore anyway teen titans is gonna be <laughs> Written by Will Pfeiffer and drawn by Kenneth Rockefeller. Well, we're both okay. They're starts both in, fine. Starts in July. Um, it has mostly the same team. It has Beast Boys Green again oh, on okay. the cover. Cool. Oh, well, finally. Somebody. I wonder why. Oh, uh, yeah. No. I wonder I, if they'll have like a, an origin of his greenness story oh, called <laughs> It's Not Easy Being Green. It's probably. That's yeah. probably what the first issue is called. Oh, did you guys see the new Muppet movie? <laughs> no, I heard it wasn't that great, though. It was pretty good. I heard it was oh, good. Okay. Yeah, right. It wasn't I, as good I, as the last I one. I guess I heard wrong. It wasn't as great as the first one, but it was good. So the other book is Grayson, which is by uh, Tim Seeley and Tom King. And it's about Dick Grayson not being Nightwing anymore and being... Uh, just a super spy for the DC universe. Just, is this like? Okay. Well, is this a? It, shouldn't he like have a code name like Nightwing if he's a super spy? No. I think it's supposed to be like that Grayson show. Seems kind of obvious. Um, what is that uh, show about? Arrow. Yeah, no. Chuck. The like about the guy that wrote um, the James Bond books. Fleming. It's, right. it's like that. Yeah. Do they do a show about that? Grayson? Yeah, yeah. About no, how Ian Fleming is like was a real spy or something. Huh? Uh, is this a, so? The thing that you have written down here, Nick, is this an actual quote from, like, their press release? <laughs> I assume something. Because it, it says, and Tom King, a former CIA counterterrorism operations officer who went to work for the intelligence agency after 9-11. Like, oh, so it's <laughs> co-written by, uh, yeah. A CIA counterterrorism uh, operations officer. Yeah, who like like why you bring up nine eleven in your solicitation for the Grayson comic? To because show he's a patriot. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I actually like Mikel Janin's art. He he was yeah. drawing um, do? Justice League Dark for a while when oh, it first yeah. started, and his stuff's really cool. Yeah, but, that's uh, cool. yeah um, we'll see what this is. At least it's something a little different. I yeah. guess yeah. it doesn't. I don't know. So maybe, everybody, maybe Tom King is a really good writer. So everybody else thinks Dick Grayson's dead. Oh, like. Oh, Batgirl and Batman. Oh, is it because... Do they think he died in the... In Forever Murder Evil. machine. <laughs> they think he died at the end of Forever Evil. Spoiler alert for <laughs> Forever Evil. Well, that hasn't uh, out, he doesn't so. die, but they think he does. Yeah. I'm so confused. That's weird to release this before you put out Forever well, Evil. Forever Evil was supposed to come out... Like, yeah, like a few weeks ago. A month ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe like four weeks ago. But, but just wait. Because it's not coming out till the end of May. Does this book come out before Forever Evil? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> if it gets delayed anymore. That would be so good. Uh, and then in in better news, 
Oh yeah, Young Avengers uh, Tacoma Glad Media Award. It's an award not, uh, uh, honoring outstanding portrayals of the gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender communities in various media. Which oh, is very cool. Awesome. It was really cool yeah. for them. Young Avengers was a great series, uh, and it's it yeah, and uh, it had one of the best sort of couples, gay or straight. I think. Yeah, just like a great relationship story. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, that's cool to see that they did that. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Well, that is it for news. We do have a couple of questions this week. All right. So let's a couple answer. long questions. I feel like I'm super like radio voice guy this week. Hey, you guys, we do have a couple of questions this week. First one coming in from Pat in the dog bag. Pat says, hey, guys. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Pat says, uh, Jesus. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, great interview with Box Brown. Uh, thanks. thanks. Yeah, I think we're going to start doing more of those. So yep. uh, look forward to that. Hey, I'm looking forward to his in-store signing session later this spring. On the 31st, not the 20th. It's, it's a sesh, bro. It's a sesh. Uh, with the per- pervasiveness of... Okay, so this then jumps into something completely different. Ah. Here we go. Uh, with the pervasiveness of smartphones into all aspects of life, of course, many comic book publishers are jumping on the bandwagon. Like comics. We have watching. people ask us like the like really in-depth questions. I like this. Uh, Marvel seems to be a little ahead of DC with their Marvel AR app that gives you extra content when when you scan select pages from a book. If you guys haven't seen that, like uh, you'll like put it over your comic, and there's then a, Captain oh, America will pop out of the Under Armour. Yeah, there's a little square that says <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little square that says AR in the bottom corner of whatever panel. So keep. Uh, for I that. find the creator interviews much more interesting than links to their web videos, but none of it is great. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is fair. Uh, in the first issue of Ten Grand, they had a QR code that linked to an audio file that was voice actors acting out the issue. This was interesting, but I would imagine fairly expensive. I can't believe any publisher being able to create content like this with any regularity. Well, also the thing with that is like one of the things that's interesting about comic books is that you read them at your own pace, right. and it's mm-hmm. like True. W- w- that's just like one step close to like those stupid motion comics, right? Um, Anyway, have you guys seen any other examples that may or may not have worked, but were at least creative ideas to enhance the reading experience? Keep up the great podcast, Pat. Thanks. No. Thanks, Pat. No? <laughs> uh, so, uh, not specifically with phones, but one thing that I, I think is kind of cool, uh, just so, sort of going larger than just the AR stuff. I like when people put together like playlists for comics that you can oh, listen true. to. Uh, yeah. There's one in the new Lumberjanes. I remember Blue Monday used to always do that. And even going a step further uh, in the Like a Velvet Glove cast in Iron actually had like a record you could buy that was a soundtrack yeah. that was made specifically for the comic. That was That's nice. cool. Uh, the AR stuff is weird. Yeah. Um, mostly what I've seen from it is like it'll show you like pencils for the page, which is cool. But, you know, I'd rather just, like, look at that on my computer screen or something. It's it's a strange thing. It would be cool if you, like, scan the first page and it starts playing the, the playlist of music that you... you know, yeah, yeah. That's, that's written in there. Or, like, sound effects or something. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> The I, guys are reading it. it like, maybe when, once the Google, like, uh, contacts are come out, <laughs> that's a thing. Uh, that is a thing. Yeah. yeah, so you can, like, as you're reading the comic, you'll, like, scan across the page and it'll be like, BAM! <laughs> Breaking news, Google contacts are coming out. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen people do much either way with this. The guided view stuff is interesting. Yeah. Um, I think there's... Especially when reading on a phone. Yeah, I think the ones that are more built for digital viewing rather than ones that are print that they're trying to add digital stuff into are kind of the more cutting edge stuff. There's like... I forget which one it was, but it basically all the panels were sized for looking at it on a phone and like when you tapped it, it would like animate some of like the smoke or whatever, and then you tapped it again, and then the word balloon came up. Oh, that's so it's more like you would get to enjoy the art, and then at your own pace, you would kind of interact with it as you went. So I feel like more stuff that's like really thought out how you view stuff like that. I think is kind of the yeah. more, better way. Yeah, to go. Bat- Batman sixty six is like that. Right? Yep. When you read it digitally, it'll like uh, yeah, there's like like bam, bam, like the smoke exploding, yeah, off of crashes yeah, and stuff. Crazy so. stuff will but yeah, again, I that th- was kind of targeted more for the digital experience i think there is room for that stuff and for people to do creative things i just haven't seen a ton of it yet uh like i've seen people do some gifts in their stuff that's kind of cool like zach gorman's online comics stuff looks really yeah and i think if you do that well it can be pretty awesome but uh yeah i don't know uh if if any of our listeners 
have seen any cool stuff, hey, tweet it at us in at my, Big Planet Comics. In my yep. old man opinion, I don't think it's uh, necessary. It ain't for me. <laughs> um, don't need it. Don't need it. I just read a comic. That's it. All right. Up next, we've got a question from Eli. Thanks for the question, Pat, by the way. He, yep. Pat says, keep up the great podcast. Eh, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> all right. Eli sent a question. He said, would it be fair to say that the success or at least high quality of Marvel Now titles such as Silver Surfer, She-Hulk, etc., are due in part to a return to Marvel's 1960s pop art roots? The grounded stories, colorful art. And even the unabashedly upbeat letters pages remind me of Stanley's bullpen feel. Uh, it's retro in all the best ways. I think this has been most evident in the art, and it seems like comics reviews are increasingly citing Jack Kirby's influence. Kirby is arguably the most influential creator in American comics history, but what does it mean when no one else comes close despite his last significant creative period ending roughly 40 years ago? Oh, boy. Um, well, I mean, there's a reason for no, that. I just didn't realize it's been 40 years. Oh, yeah, it's been a long time. Wow. Um, well, his significant creative period. I mean, yeah. he was doing Kenner Superpowers comics in the 80s. Oh. Uh, is there anyone who can compare? And if so, what do you think is who do you think is the second most influential artist? That's an interesting question. Mm. Uh, it seems odd that art is so frequently cited as derivative, such as a particularly dynamic illustration being compared to Kirby's work. But no one does the same with regard to the writing. Is this laziness on the part of comic book reviewers? Is are you like? Is this like talking about us right yeah. now? <laughs> crappy, or is it simply much more difficult to spot literary influences? Um, and he says, "P.S. The ending of Deadly Class Number Three. Whoa, I agree with that. That was yeah. Street. That series elevated." Um, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff in this question. I just uh, want to talk about Deadly Class 3. Well, let's let's start out with, uh, do do you think the success of uh, the Marvel Now titles is due in part to Return to Marvel's 1960s pop art roots? Uh, well, that's, that's a good way to analyze it. Yeah, and I think um, the stuff you said about the art, the color, colorful art is interesting. I think people are looking for a change maybe from some of the yeah. grittier, more realistic yeah. stuff. But I think what you say, what uh, Eli says about the grounded stories is kind of what makes these things like. And that that really comes out of the 60s Marvel stuff right. is that all those comics were kind of about these people's personal lives. That's true. And uh, the sort of, you know, they were in, in a quirky, relatable way, the way that, say, like She-Hulk is right now. Yeah, I think I think actually like uh, all new Ghost Rider is probably the most '60s kind of uh, origin story. It's you know it's very grounded in the real world and that's true. kind of real problems and I mean because you, you still got like the big Avengers books which are dealing like the planets crashing into each other, which is you know completely unimportant what the characters are up to other than stopping the planet. You know, right. So then I think all these smaller character focused books. I think you're getting both of them, which I you know whichever side of that creative divide you want you can get from marvel so but i think you look at something like miss marvel which is a right. fantastic book but it, it basically you know it has to do with her becoming a superhero but it's not about her it, fighting it's like a character study yeah. yeah and it's you know it's about her family and stuff as much as anything and it makes it really interesting yeah and i think uh i think there's parody between the art and stuff like she hulk yeah and miss marvel and uh ghost rider even if it's not all sort of rooted in that jack kirby stuff it, it all just has sort of you know it just feels fresh I think it and match, different. matches yeah. well what they're going for yeah, yeah yeah um yeah so hopefully that answers that part and the letters pages are really fun yeah and that's again that's like a key part that they took out of comics that i think you, you lost the sense of community for a long time that's like why not just you know yeah um do dc comics have letter pages no no they have the uh the great like oh, yeah, the the news 52 or 50 spread what yeah. is it called I probably something like channel that. 52 I Chan- yeah. yeah um so so then the question about kirby uh yeah so what does it mean that no one else comes close to uh in the last 40 years well the thing with kirby was at that time yeah, he, i mean he was producing he so many pages everything it, it wasn't even that it was like he developed so many great characters and storyline he basically ran marvel for what 10 12 years so like everything that made marvel what it was as or even is as a company until basically the x-men relaunched was him yeah he was so, doing like six comics a month or something the x-men relaunch was not kirby the relaunch no, the, not the relaunch. i'm saying until that like was basically he did everything for like the 10 years oh, until that it. yeah oh yeah well kirby was with marvel until what 71 or something like that the last and, thing he did was the um he was gone for a while before the x-men relaunched. Right, right i'm saying but I think until the last then, thing it was he did like was the like the black panther stuff right but i'm saying like until like the x-men took off under claremont like it was kirby or nothing like you know there I yeah mean, basically very few people who had any major impact or major creator characters or whatever well and he was drawing so much stuff i mean well yeah. i mean steve ditko obviously also that's true, that's true yeah. <laughs> had a big impact that probably answers the second question uh of of the second most influential artist in a, of american comics history i don't know about that i mean i think you could say uh, 
you know, you could yeah. probably say quite a few other people. Uh, for good or for bad, you know, you could say Jim Lee yeah. if you're talking about superhero comics. Honestly, and it might be Todd Frank, McFarlane. No, it might be Frank Miller. <laughs> yeah, or Frank Miller. <laughs> Todd I mean, McFarlane affected, or honestly, Liefeld and some like, you know, there's like that terrible 90s thing which Hollywood. people are still coming out of. I think Frank Miller, I mean, if you if you talk about, I, I'm not saying this is a positive influence necessarily, although I think overall it did have a positive effect. Yeah. But, you know, his approach with stuff like Dark Knight Returns, I think, had a lot of impact on the industry and the way yeah. people were telling stories. Uh, I think a lot of people misinterpreted what was good about that and ended up just, like, being gritty for gritty's sake. Oh, sure, sure. But, yeah. uh, but I think overall, you know, those kind of things uh, ended up... Uh, it's why we have things like uh fatal now and right. yeah. things like that so um man that's a good question about second best artist or most yeah. influential and i like to crap all over frank miller but sure yeah, i think i think i think that's fair if we're just talking about superhero comics i mean if we're talking about comics in general i mean you you could probably say carl Barks. that's what i was thinking like honestly but again like what or is he just the best you know <laughs> yeah but like how, how much is his influence faded because he ha- they haven't had anything in print for so long and like that kind of style is really faded out of the mainstream publishers yeah. so yeah and and it's not like he developed that style either he was yeah. just somebody who was really good at that stuff um and then the thing about art with uh you know being cited as derivative i don't know if he was talking about specifically us or just reviewers in general but um yeah I, it, it is a little easier to compare art to other art because you're just looking at it and there's something and the there. influences are often very obvious yeah and i feel like to compare storytelling um you're sort of breaking it down a little more to its elements yeah it's not something that's as immediately apparent and uh it takes maybe a little bit more figuring out or explaining where you can say Oh, you know, like this thing is kind of like uh, a Joss Whedon-ish thing because right. of, of these things that he does. And, and, you know, there's like parody between that and something another writer might do or something. But it's just like a little more – I don't want to say abstract, but it's just like – it's a little more getting into like yeah, know, the, like the structure of story right. and stuff like that. Whereas with art, you can just be like, hey, Tom Scioli Arts, look – looks like jack kirby look at it <laughs> well I, I think another problem is that uh with that is that either writing about comics or talking about them like we're doing here um unless you have a sample of the art to show people we kind of have to as you know uh audio descriptions of right. this comics we have to say what the art looks like right so if you're just looking at the comic book you can skip that part of our reviews but we're often talking about what the story's like and what the writing and stuff is like just in that and our description of the comic. Yeah, and I'm usually pretty lazy about it, and I'm like, it's like a cross between this and this. But if you know what those things are, you can immediately kind of, you know... Right, right. So I'm just saying that, that we're doing, like, shorthand head. in that, and that we spend more time talking about the actual writing of the comic. So I think it's not so much that we're being lazy about it. It's just that we've already covered it a lot, so we're not breaking yeah. down the elements we do, of, like... We probably don't talk about, like, style of writing that's true. a lot. Yeah. It's just, like, it's like we break down what the art looks like, and then we talk about the story. Yeah. But uh, also, a lot of times, we're just talking about first issues. But I think, also, he's talking about other people besides us as well. That's true. But, uh, yeah, thanks for the question, Eli. I thought that's that a was... Great one. Uh, I thought that was a... Yeah, there was a lot of stuff to cover there. Yeah, if you guys have questions, you can send those to podcast at bigplanetcomics.com. Uh, we, we like answering questions. It's probably our favorite part of the show, so Send yep. more. Send them to at Big Planet Comics. They can be short. They can be long. Just be you know, whatever. Can, they can be about our favorite ice cream. Oh, man. Uh, butter pecan. Hey, Kevin from D.C. wrote in, what's your favorite ice cream? Uh, P.S. No. I already know that Jared's is butter pecan. No, I changed my mind. <laughs> it is butter pecan. Okay. So pistachio. Cool. Yeah, pistachio is really good. Really? Yeah. I like mint chocolate chip. All right. How do you guys follow the, the ice cream versus gelato thing? Oh, ice cream is better. Gelato is always better. Oh, I'm you're an idiot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> podcast over. All right, let's do some reviews. We love comics, they're swell, except when they're written by Scott Lovedell. I prefer important books like Louis Riel. It's time for reviews. All right, up first this week, we've got a new weekly series from DC Comics. This is Batman Eternal, number one. Um, And number two came out this week, so we might mention that as well. Yeah. Uh, This is written by everybody who writes Batman. Uh, Scott (laughs) Snyder, James Tinian IV, Ray Fox, Jonathan Lehman, and Tim Seeley. Uh, all working on it. And Jason Fabuck does the art. And, uh, yeah, so this is like a kind of... I, it doesn't really... T- I guess it kind of ties all the Batman books together. It's kind of like a big Batman story that involves every Batman character. Yeah, but it's its own story, right? Yeah, yeah it's separate like. from everything else. And the main crux of this story seems to be... It's like... Um, it starts out with this 
an intense scene. Yeah, of Batman, uh, like, crucified on the bat signal. And it seems to be, like, what's going to happen by the end of this series. Yeah, Gotham is... All of Gotham is on fire. All of it. Yeah. And he's he's tied to the bat signal with a bat insignia carved on his chest. And somebody's telling him, like, oh, this is what you get, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah and then we cut to a scene of, like, a, a kind of basic supervillain thing with Professor Pig. And um, uh, Commissioner Gordon is kind of fighting Professor Pig and his henchmen or whatever. And the main thing that happens in this first issue is that um, uh, Commissioner – so it's kind of weird. So there, Commissioner Gordon is pursuing Professor Pig, and he shoots his gun, and it hits this transformer in, right. a, in a subway station. And then at the same time, two trains crash. Um, and uh, uh, while this story is going on, they're introducing this kind of young cop who's new to Gotham City. And uh, he shows up on the scene with another corrupt cop. Yeah, you kind of see the corruption inside of uh, the police station. And uh, the corrupt cop is immediately arrests Jim Gordon, uh, Commissioner Gordon, uh, who's not a commissioner, I guess, at this point, right? No, he's yeah. commissioner. Oh, is he commissioner? Uh, I get confused by all yeah, <laughs> the timeline stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so arrests him and says that, uh, you know, his his uh, reckless ways have caused these uh, subway cars to crash. And that's, that's kind of the big setup of this. And then the second issue gets into a little more of um, some of the... Uh, corruption and the crime around the city and people that are connected to the, uh, you know, the mafia and stuff like that. Yeah, and it gets, uh, there's a lot of mysteries building up, which is which is the, the best part of, like, a weekly series is have yeah, cause multiple like, mysteries rolling at once so you can kind of spread yeah, it out. And... Yeah, you get that faster loop of, like, payoff of, of things that are interesting. So I, I kind of like this as a setup, though. I thought yeah. it was really cool. I think it's cool, like, the cop on trial thing mixed with yep. a little bit of Serpico of, like, the bad cops versus, like, this kind of new cop who who right. isn't willing to be crooked and stuff like that and they they by the second issue especially mix in a bunch of sort of superhero and supervillain stuff into it in a way that i think works i think uh like they did with 52 which i think is probably their only other successful, successful right. weekly series having all these different writers working on it uh i think is hopefully a good thing yeah we'll see how it goes as it goes along once it switch, starts switching writers and stuff because yeah, it's basically marvel's model of like having all their head writers together to plot out big stuff and then having people write the individual stories yeah and um, i th- i think that sort of system of checks and balances ends up being a really good thing yeah this felt like very much like batman year one or even batman long halloween that kind of like older much more grounded even with professor pig and stuff running around like a much more grounded corrupt criminal run gotham which i thought was a really good way to take it so yeah yeah i thought it was cool uh all right up next uh we've got all new dupe number one dupe all new dupe uh this is written by peter milligan who of course wrote ecstatics featuring dupe and also wrote a million other things uh and the art in this is by david lafuente who's drawn uh various things from ultimate spider-man to all new x-men but dupe is a uh well according to the first page uh he's a green potato looking thing that lives with the x-men <laughs> and uh this story is interesting it's kind of like dupe in the background of some other big stories mixed with a story of its own yeah it's like uh the beginning is dupe kind of in the background of uh battle of the atom and dealing with uh you know all these different time traveling x-men and he's he's completely not concerned with what's happening <laughs> and he's got his own kind of thing and you see him writing this letter and kind of uh you know, giving it a kiss and heart, and you're like, "What's going on?" And then you see, <laughs> yep. you see him give this letter to uh, you know Kitty Pride, and then uh, it's, it ends up being kind of this thing where all this crazy stuff is happening, but all Dupe is concerned about is kind of, uh, you know, he's in love with Kitty Pride, basically. Yeah, <laughs> it's just him trying to ask her out. And, and should we say what happens issues. at the end of this issue? Uh, uh, I don't know. Should we? It's kind of a crazy. It's twist. been two weeks. I don't know. It's been it's two been weeks. A week, sure, weekend. sure. Well, uh, if you haven't read it yet and you don't want to get spoiled, uh, yeah, at the end of this issue, Dupe learns to speak English. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. She's, uh, Katie Pride's like, oh, I can't be with you. We don't even speak the same language. And then he turns himself inside out and he can speak English. Yeah. It's like, uh, just just be truthful with Dupe. Come on. Don't <laughs> yeah. say it's because he can't speak English. It's because he's a green potato looking thing. <laughs> uh, which is perfectly okay. You, you don't have right. to like him. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I thought it was fun. Yeah, it was really good. I love LaFuente's art. Um, well, now now I'm all self-conscious about describing art. It was funny because yeah. I love his art, but um, the thing is, uh, to keep it consistent with previous dupes appearances, uh, they actually have uh, 
Laura Allred doing the colors, which is pretty interesting because uh, it definitely feels like it's a you know the colors are very much like a like a Mike Allred comic. Yeah, um, yeah, I, and yeah, it was just fun. I don't know, it was good. It, it was all like very cartoony, and I thought the writing matched the art style a lot. It was just like it was goofy. It kind of reminded me of Next Wave or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I, this felt too goofy for me. Like, I mean, it's definitely really goofy. Yeah, I don't know. Like. I don't know if it's just switching styles too much uh, between, like, the kind of, like, much more serious stuff that he was kind of, like, on the outskirts of. It's, it's kind of, like, I don't know. You know well, to me, that's, like, the joke. It's, like, tag sure. and bank or something like that. Yeah, honestly, that's, like, what I was thinking of. It's, like, they're kind of behind the scenes what Dupe's really up to and how he's affecting everything. But I think, like, he was drawn too cartoony for the rest of it or maybe just the style on him didn't match. I don't know. Maybe. I, I would imagine LaFuente is more comfortable drawing humans than yeah. giant green boogers or whatever but <laughs> here's uh, the question potatoes. why didn't they use the ar app to translate the stuff the dupe says oh mm-hmm. see that would be a good that would yeah. be a great usage pat, <laughs> pat would be super proud of you Nick. Yeah. i mean um, they don't which is like a weird thing yeah um i don't know but uh that is all new dupe number one yes if you like ecstatics you should read it because it's cool uh also right. there's a spoiler for agents of shield in here well it's that might you know it says that over more than one person <laughs> no it doesn't oh it doesn't not okay <laughs> uh right, up next is another spoiler. marvel number one uh this is hulk number one uh is this series called hulk who shot bruce banner no it's hulk number one. okay uh this is written by the same guy that was writing indestructible hulk mark wade who also wrote Kingdom Come. And uh, the art in this is by Mark Bagley, who's the guy that stuck all those piercings in Gwen Stacy's face in Ultimate Spider-Man. <laughs> That's what um, the girls are doing these days. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, anyway, uh, so this comic is about... Um, this comic is insane. It is insane. Basically, it's about uh, people studying... When did Bruce Banner get shot in the head? So at the end of Indestructible Hulk, okay. the last <laughs> issue of it, he, uh, Bruce Banner randomly got shot in the head. In the back of the head, so he didn't have time to turn into Hulk. Yeah. Um, okay. And they go through this issue and they explain like how this person, mystery person, plotted out the... Uh, like you have to shoot Bruce Banner in exactly these spots and exactly the this right time so he won't turn into the Hulk. And yeah, basically so they've used this opportunity while while Bruce's while Bruce Banner's like sort of in a docile comatose, comatose state uh to study his brain and see what makes him turn into the Hulk and uh so they can control him basically and use right. him as a weapon. But of course while they're doing all that um they also plan to implant things in his yeah, head. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 to control. Yep, while they're doing all that they implant a thing in his head so that they can control it themselves. And then I feel like we also have to talk about what happens at the end of this There's issue. There's a crazy twist. So Hulk he turns into Hulk and, and he smashes and he smashes up but although the whole time well, he still has like, like holes in his brain. He has he still has his whole brain is like hanging out of the back of his head. Um yeah, he wakes up in the middle of brain surgery. That's yeah. not so good for you. But then at the end, should we talk about what happens at the end? That's what I was thinking. We were at the end, about. I don't I don't know that we should talk about the end. But I will say at the end of this issue, a really crazy thing that yeah. happen, happens that changes Bruce Banner's character and makes this a book that I really want to read the next <laughs> issue. Yeah, of. pretty yep. insane. Um, I don't know if it's good, but it's... Well, the picture on the last page is hilarious. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. amazing. And uh, there's like a great kind of uh, little mysteries popping up here and there. Like who shot Bruce Wayne? Like yeah, there's a lot of setups of like Like people standing in (laughs) shadows and uh, mysterious, like who these people really are and who's working with who. And yeah, is it was it Bruce Wayne that shot Bruce Banner? It was Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Wayne Wayne (laughs) But there's there's also um, this interesting kind of weird, like uh, like we said, like a tag and bink kind of thing where there's this like uh, surgeon who was kind of new Bruce Banner and oh, yeah, yeah. could have yeah. stopped him from becoming the Hulk at certain points. But point she's like, he life. saved my life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that is Hulk number one. It's good. Yeah. It's good enough. It's good enough. Yeah. But uh, let's, let's, uh, maybe we should save this one for later. Which one? The next one. Yeah. Let's, we'll do that last. Yeah. We'll do that last. All right. Up next, we've got Shudder number one, which which is a comic Sorry. by Image. I, I yeah, didn't I didn't write stuff. I didn't write down <laughs> the creators this week so I'm like like looking through stacks trying to find stuff. Anyway, Shutter number 1 written by Joe Keating who wrote Glory uh with art by Leila Del Luca who's done a few things for Image before but I cannot remember what they are. This and that. This and that. And, Research. Yep. And this is about um a girl a woman who is a photographer. I believe her name is Kate, is that right? And uh a, f- a former novelist turned photographer whose life has been turned upside down. So this, uh, we were just talking about this. This book feels very short in some ways because it's full of uh, a lot of character moments and then huge, awesome, 
crazy spreads of like a just vistas of insanity uh, because this is set in a very fantastic sci-fi up world where the literally opening scene is young Kate, age seven, running across the surface of the moon as her birthday present from her dad. And then there's a spread of the uh, the city she lives in in the present day, 10 or 20 years, 10, 20 years later. Right. Yeah, 20 years, 20 later. years later, uh, which is basically like a mashup of every science fiction fantasy monster all in a giant metropolis. Yeah, I was telling people like this is a world where everything exists. <laughs> yeah. Every there's griffins, there's spaceships, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so the main thing is Kate Christopher is that uh, she used to be this famous novelist who would travel and meet like, dragons and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, but then she no longer does it. And you find out that the opening scene with her dad taking her to the moon uh, for her seventh birthday, uh, her dad has died for some reason. And we don't know why. And then she's attacked by ghost ninjas. We we'll also find out that her, her family is like a, she has a lineage of kind of explorers. Um, like everybody in her family has been kind of an explorer and it's being passed down to her, but she doesn't want to do it. So she's like, yep. I'm going to be a photographer, giving up. but she still kind of gets wrapped up in all this, uh, crazy stuff that's, that's happening. Yeah. And that's kind of almost everything that happens in this first right. issue. Yeah. But it was well told. Like it was, it was not a, not a whole ton of stuff happened, but I thought it was well told. Yeah. I yeah. feel like it's one of those that like should have been a double page, a double, you know, size issue. Cause I'm sure issue two is going to like. Knock this yeah, out of the park, and it's like you don't know where it is. Yet. I also think it has a really great first issue cliffhanger. That's true, but to me, it it was, but it's kind of a classic cliffhanger of hey, now you're gonna have to fight things. Yeah, find out and, what happens to him. And it's like I wanted to, I wanted more of a little bit of like, hey, what is the core of what this book is right. about? You know, um, but but overall, I thought it was good and and definitely interesting enough that I'm gonna keep on reading it. Yeah, um, and like some of the scene, you know. Like just the drawings of like you know a guy riding a unicorn or Kate running upside down on the moon because the angles different. Like there's some really really great alligators dressed visual, like bellhops. Yes, some really great visual choices in this that were really cool. Yeah, it was a well. Yeah, I thought it was a well executed book, and I'm interested in it. I, I I'm really curious to see where it goes because for it didn't blow me away like maybe some of the more recent right. image stuff did but uh i feel like it's really solid and i feel like it has a lot of things to build up yeah i feel like it yeah i feel like it still has a lot to do and yep. so that's why i think jared's right about maybe a double-sized issue would have been maybe a little bit better yeah. or if you like this wait for us wait with us for number two and we'll see yeah uh now on to the thing that uh should have been a half size issue this is solar man of the <laughs> atom number one no it wasn't it wasn't that bad. Uh, this is written by uh, Frank J. Barbieri, who wrote uh, Five Ghosts, and uh, art by Joe Bennett, who uh, has drawn quite a few things. Um, and this is the third book in the new um, Dynamite Gold Key line. Fourth? They've done Turok, Magnus, and then there's this. And then I right. think there's also Dr. Spectre yeah. coming yep, out. That's coming up. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this is, this is just... Uh, I don't know. Of all the books, this one felt like the most kind of generic superhero-y. Yeah. Also the weirdest one. I, <laughs> uh, I don't know. The I, other ones were weird. The thing is, so. I don't know a lot about um, Solar Man He's of the Atom. He's a man of the Atom. Yeah. He says that m- multiple times. He, he does. Like, no, I'm the man of the Atom. Um, but anyway, it starts off with uh, Dr. Solar. I keep calling Dr. Solar. Solar <laughs> um, showing up to stop a... Uh, of what is it a robbery right a bank robbery um and you kind of see a little bit of how his powers work he does like these crazy equations to kind of change uh matter basically you know he'll he's like oh i'm gonna change your bullets into air or you know make your bullets i like how some of them are some of them are equations but some of them are just like p yeah s (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh so he stops the bank robbery and then uh, as at the end of it, he starts, like, losing his mind. All these equations start popping in his head, and he explodes. And um, and we kind of switch to his daughter. Yeah, and then you get switched to his daughter, and his daughter um, doesn't know that he's Solar. And, uh, you know, he's... He, but but he knows she knows he's a scientist, and he's had troubles, and he hasn't talked to her in a long time. And somebody finally calls him and tells him, you know, come see your father. He needs you. And she's like, I don't want to. And then eventually she does. She finds out he's Dr. Solar, and then he explodes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The last last page is pretty crazy. It's like uh, him exploding and all of her clothes flying off. Yeah, that which is really weird. It was strange. I was yeah. like, so is she going to be Doctor Solar? Because yeah, in like the Solar, sense, I guess. That's the implication. Solar. Wait, yeah. is, is it is that not Doctor Solar? No, what it's is just that? Solar. Doctor Solar is a different character. I think. Oh, okay. Is it? Um, this was super boring to me. I'm sorry. 
It was, I just, it was okay. It was just like it I, was, I don't think it was super boring. I just think it was told in not the best way to set the story up. Like I like the way his powers worked. I thought that was pretty. Yeah, cool. I thought that was a cool bit. But yeah. basically, Firestorm. I was just not interested in anything that was happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was. I mean, once it got to the daughter part, I was kind of like a little more into it. Yeah, I no, like, I, I'd say that's true. She's a more interesting character, and right. So I think it was just like if they sequenced it in a different way of telling that setup, I think it would have been better. Yeah, because right, I was already with her. I know. was already mentally kind of checked out a little bit at that yeah, point. Yeah. Um, and I got a little more interested, but yeah, we'll see. I, I, so far I like Turok and Magnus Magnus a lot better. I shouldn't even put those two in the same, uh, category. I like Magnus a lot. Magnus two was awesome. (laughs) Magnus one was great, but two was even better. I thought Turok two and three were great. Three. I don't don't know if I've read the third one. I haven't read the third one. I gotta read it. It's really good. But, uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, so we'll see. I'm still curious about the fourth one of these and, uh, you know, Dynamite is not one of my favorite publishers, uh, but I think that they've been doing some pretty good stuff with this so far. So that's that's a good thing. So far, so, so okay. Uh, it's not on our list, but you guys... Stray Bullets number two was so good. No, <laughs> oh, I haven't read it yet. So great. Oh, so, man. so good. So yeah. that was the same kid, right, from the first issue? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so all of his stories, like, will have hints like that. And sometimes it's like 10 years later, 10 years earlier. There's yeah. some weird, like. This one was stuff. like this kid. I was like, oh, I don't I didn't remember what the first the kid's name was in the first storyline because yeah. it's been, oh, you know, a month or so. But um, but um, he yeah. shows up. He's like, I was in a car accident and I lost a leg. And I was like, oh, man, it is that same kid. <laughs> oh, boy. Um. Yeah, so up next we've got uh, Translucid number one. Uh, this is a new book from Boom. I didn't realize this was like one of these uh, Claudio Sanchez books, the guy from Coheed and Cambria. Yeah, tell us about this book, Kevin. Uh, well, this was co-written by uh, Claudio Sanchez and Chandra Echer, Echer, but and illustrated by Daniel Bayless. But yeah, uh, this was – so after I read this and I liked it, and then I got a text from Nick – Wait, hold on. Let me find out what this text... Well, basically, Kelly, who I work with at the other store, was like, what was going on in that book? And then I got a text from Nick that <laughs> was like, what exactly happened in Translucid? <laughs> and uh, and then... And, and then, then he I, talks to me. I'm like, I didn't get anything out of Yeah, it. and I was like, oh, it was this. I, I was like, <laughs> Jared, Nick is such an idiot. He didn't even understand what was going on in Translucid. Jared's like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> like, about. Like, I, I understood it. So, like, basically, you know, uh, this kid is uh, in his room, and he's... Uh, He's escaping into this kind of fantasy world, um, and then the, most of the comic is takes place in this fantasy world, um, and it you know ties into him dealing with his dad who's drunk. Um, he comes home covered in puke, abusive drunk, um, probably. But the kid, well, the weird thing about this is the kid part is like very very small compared to all this other stuff going on. And yeah, well, I think the reason for that is I think they're gonna I think they're setting all this stuff up in the other world, and then you'll see how that relates to his life as as opposed to setting up his life and then seeing how it relates to the other world. Right. Yeah, because basically the kid is making up. Anyway, yeah, our, Kevin's right. I'm an idiot. Uh, I reread it. I'm like, oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the kid is mainly creating the hero of this, who's the navigator, who's very much like a Batman type Gizmo guy. Um, who's then dealing with his main arch villain? The, it's just called the, the horse, horse, or yeah. just the, yeah, the horse. Um, who's been in prison because they accuse him of stuff, and then he gets off of all the charges. Um, and so basically, the horse basically rigs up a, a crime to see if the navigator is still his arch foe. But there's a weird. See, that's that's why I think Kevin's right that this is going to be like something about like the kid's relationship with his dad or something because it's all about how they're kind of you know villain and hero sides of the same coin and they're still friends even though they're well, it's basically always opposing like, each other. Like the villain's whole purpose is to make the hero look better. Which I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that was right. Interesting. I thought that was like an interesting idea for a villain was that like a person crazy enough that they exist just so that a right. hero can exist. See, I, I, liked, that was I liked cool. all that stuff. I think the problem I had was that I I didn't quite see how it connected to the, the stuff happening to the right, kid. Right, it doesn't yet. That's why I'm curious because yeah. like because the thing is that the horse's scheme is like he's like I'm going to use these lesser villains to set this thing up, but I wanted to see if you as a hero were going to make the right choice. So I feel like the the horse as the supervillain is kind of testing him or feeling like something has changed in their relationship. Well, and and so. I, I also feel like that's going to be the center of what this book is. is yeah, that's is, why it's getting that. to how these two worlds are connected. I thought the, the last, so you're not going to get that in the first. I issue. felt like the last page like just left me kind of confused because. I don't know. He's just like because you don't know what's happening. From one yet. he one nightmare to another. I'm like, so is this his nightmare? I don't understand. Like, if this is happening directly after this or not. 
Uh, no. It, is he having a nightmare about these characters fighting? Is yeah, he dreaming he's, yeah, about he's dreaming characters? about them, and then he gets woken up by that. But, like, right smashing. before that, he's dreaming about them, like, wide awake. Uh, like, oh. Yeah, well, I think it's, yeah, I think it's both. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Uh, I, anyway, I thought it was good. I, I'm definitely curious to see where it goes. I thought, in particular, the coloring was actually really yeah, great on really the inside, cool. too, and I, I like the art. Um, of Aaron the, of the Cla- Claudio Sanchez books, I think it's the best one I've read so far. Um, well, Key of Z was pretty solid, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, kids, he was great. But uh, yeah, that is translucid. It is differing opinions. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. Up next, we have a started graphic novel. This is the obscure cities, the leaning girl, uh, written by Shuiten. Uh, I don't know their Francois, friend. and uh, and then drawn by Benoit Peters. Peters. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, this is. Uh, I, I feel like Jared is the most qualified to talk about this. So Jared. All right. So these dudes, like, Sweeten is basically the reason you buy these books. Uh, he was trained as an architect. Uh, he's they, the, two, the team of them together has done maybe 13 or 14 of these books in France. Uh, several of them have been translated in English in the 80s and 90s, but they're all out of print. Very, very expensive to find now. This is the first time this one has been translated. And so the Steve Smith, the uh, editor of this, or the publisher of this new press, Alexis Press, kickstarted it to get it published and then hopes to keep doing more and more of these. Um... Basically, yeah, so Sweeten is this amazing artist, uh, trained as an architect, and so all of his, all their books in this series um, involve fantastic cities of sci-fi slash fantasy bent, and they're just, I don't know, amazing art? How would yeah, you, the, the, the cities are incredibly <laughs> drawn. What do you mean? Like, how would you describe the art? Yeah, like, um, you know, it's, it's Doré, like... Yeah, I would say it's, yeah, I would say it's uh, in that school realist. of, like, Gustave Doré, and then, like, some of maybe the older sort of... Uh, children's book illustrators like uh, Arthur Rackham, Rackham and John yeah. Tenniel. Like what? Just like a lot of cross hatching. I wouldn't say yeah, hatching. What's well, the no, style? that's that's hatching. Yeah, there's a ton of hatching. Super in hatching, it. like so, in, so not cross intricate hatching, line work. Yeah, yeah. Very there's hatching and there's cross hatching. Yes, cross okay. hatching is just when they cross each but other. Yeah, this is oh man. It, but yeah, he doesn't work in washes or anything. All yeah. the all the grays are hatched. There you go. Um, yeah, hatched. and it's it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's just like very detailed. Uh, a, a contemporary artist who I would compare it to is oh no I can't remember uh, Jeremy oh. Bastian oh who yeah as yeah. a Curse Pirate Girl and uh, who's the guy who did like some BPRD stuff um or he did like in the backup like uh, Ed, the, the Monster Men or whatever oh I'm not sure oh no. man who was that guy I got nothing yeah I'm not sure about that but uh yeah it's 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 uh it's just like it's a very uh delicate intricate style. And it's really well done. And it's also, you know, I mean, I don't know if all of his art looks like this, but the subject... Most of it does. This seems to be related to the subject matter, like, it, just in the time period it came from as well. Right. But, uh, yeah, the story itself, though, man, is about... Um, okay, so... <laughs> it's a very metatextual kind of journey. <laughs> yeah, but then there are also some very concrete things that are happening in it right. as well. Basically, uh, this, uh, there are two different stories. Uh, the one is about uh, Mary, a girl who goes on a roller coaster ride with her parents, and when she comes out off of it, the world shakes a little bit, and then she um, she leans like she can't stand up straight. Her natural state is like being at basically like a thirty degree lean at yeah, all. Yeah, and times. like her hair leans as well. Like every every part of her body kind of leans. Yeah, like it's like her gravity has shifted. Yeah, in a way that sort of defies natural physics, and um, because of this, she becomes kind of the bane of her parents, particularly her mother. Um, and she gets sent off to a boarding school, which she pretty fastly, quickly runs away from. Yeah, just because it's so terrible for her there. And uh, she joins a circus, and then uh, things get crazy from from there. I would say. Meanwhile, meanwhile, there's another story <laughs> on of, Earth. Yeah, of of uh, that's done in a fumetti style, which is fumetti is uh, photograph comics. Um, I guess it, it was really popular in Italy for a while. Yep. And yeah. it's a, it's a really strange thing that usually I can't stand, but it's done well in this yeah. and, and it's in service of the story, certainly, but it's about an artist who, uh, is sort of separated himself from society because he feels like people don't understand his art. And he goes to this sort of abandoned area and finds this really strange, uh, abandoned mansion. And he's having visions of this girl that he wants to paint, but he can't quite place her face. Right. And, so eventually these stories these two stories kind of come together in a way that's really strange and interesting. Yeah. And then um the end of the book happens, which we probably shouldn't tell people what happens at no. the end of the book, yep. right? Um but it's all very fantastical and really well told and beautifully drawn and uh 
yeah, I think it'll end up being uh, one of the best books of the year, probably, right? Yeah. Like, uh, and um, oh, so good. what's the name of the guy that translated it again? Steve Smith. Steve Smith. He does a, uh, a great job. All the dialogue feels yeah, not only really natural, but yeah. also uh, also very weird in a good way. Like, when it's supposed to be weird, I feel right. like it's yeah, weird. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it just reads really well. Um, you know, I, I love that there's so many people just doing great translations these days. So used, yeah. Things used to be pretty rough, I feel like. Yeah. And uh, between all the stuff Kim Thompson was doing for... Uh, fan of graphics and the stuff that Ryan Sands and Ryan Holmberg have done uh, uh, with the Japanese stuff. I just feel like there are a lot of good people translating stuff. And this guy does an awesome job. And this is an awesome book. Yeah. So good. It's so good. It's so good. So beautiful. And like, the way yeah. that it comes together near the end is just awesome. It's so, so yeah. good. Yeah, it's very cool. All right. Uh, but actually, you know, maybe not the best book of the week. <laughs> but well, well, this two week. totally different. I'd say the best book of this week. Yeah, yeah two, this, to- two totally different. The best books. book of last, last week, week. <laughs> yeah, was uh, Lumberjanes number one. Uh, so Lumberjanes, uh, there's the so the cr- the way the creative breakdown of this is pretty crazy. But I believe this was uh, created by Shannon Waters and Grace Ellis with Noel Stevenson, and then this is co-written by Grace Ellis and Noel Stevenson, Noel Stevenson, who is Ginger Hazing that people might know from her sort of online presence. This is illustrated by Brooke Allen, uh, who uh, <laughs> did Home for Mister Easter and is my roommate. <laughs> and yep. um, uh, and I should also mention the colors in this are by uh, Marta Lejo, who does an amazing job. The colors are the fantastic, colors are yeah. incredible, in this. and uh, and it's all hand lettered by the awesome uh, Aubrey Ais, who's cool and yeah. Everybody who works on this book is cool. Yeah. <laughs> but besides all that, besides the coolness of the people that work on it and the fact that they're coming to our stores to do signings and stuff and they're all <laughs> awesome, uh, is the fact that this is a great book. Yeah. Uh, so Super good. Lumberjanes is about uh, a group of girls uh, that are at a summer camp. Uh, where lots of crazy things happen. It's like a supper, summer camp for like tough girls. Yeah, it's yeah. not even that. Here's the name. It's Ms. Quinzella... Thisquins, Pinnacle, Thistle Crumpets, Camp for, I assume, girls. And they have put a hand-carved board over the girls, so it now says, Camp for Hardcore Lady Types. Which is pretty awesome. And then below it, another hand-carved sign that says, Friendship to the Max. And that right there sums up this whole series, that these five girls are just chilling out in this place. And, of course, there's monsters and horrible things running around the wood, and they are out fighting them and trying to figure out what's going on. Wall being totally awesome uh, and great friends. And yeah. it's so good. Yeah. It's... So so uh, they go out, they fight a bunch of foxes. And yep. uh, foxes with three eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Three yep. eyes. And uh, they come back to camp and uh, their camp counselor. They get busted for being yeah, out after is like, a few. Hey, what have you guys been doing? They're like, we're fighting these crazy bear women and foxes. And she's like, whatever. Go see like the the main lady in charge. Uh, who is Rosie, who looks a little bit like Rosie the Riveter. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she basically takes the girls aside and says, hey, a lot of crazy stuff is going to be going on this summer. So what you guys did was not bad. Yeah, it's like, cool. Good and you're job fighting have... all those monsters. Yeah. And good job fighting these monsters because you're going to have to fight a bunch more. <laughs> and then they um, they uh, recite the um, Lumberjanes Pledge. Which I'm sure will be a thing that uh, oh, so that girls will be saying to each other at comic book conventions for a long time to come, and uh, yeah, and that's about it. It's <laughs> I just read it again. It's got some yeah, the Lumberjanes Pledge is great, uh, and the whole thing is awesome. It's really fun. Uh, the dialogue is great. Yeah, it's uh, really funny. like you get a sense of these characters' personalities right off the bat, and like you know which ones are crazy and which ones have the, a little bit of a you know, more common sense about them and which ones like to fight the most. And, you know, it's just, everybody has a great personality and, um, the setup is awesome. The, you know, it leaves a lot of room to tell a lot of different stories. Yep. And then you can also see the beginning of a bigger story as well. Yeah. And, uh, the art is incredible. Yeah, true. Brooks art is Brooks art is the best art I've ever seen from her. <laughs> yeah. It's really great. I, um, yeah, I think it's the best stuff she's done too. It's, um, it's really cartoony and really energetic, and the the colors make it like just yeah, and that's take the it thing. to a 
crazy level. That's why I mentioned the colors because I think the thing that the colorist does really well is like there's a really good sense of like depth in everything. Yeah. Like right. uh, like everything looks is just like staged perfectly like and everything pops out the stuff up. Yeah, like the yeah. characters pop out and um, everything's lit really well and having uh, everything hand lettered is crazy. I mean, yeah. if you think about the fact that this. Lumberjane's pledge on this page was all hand lettered. Yeah. Like that's right. awesome. Right. <laughs> like nobody hand letters anymore. And and uh yeah, Aubrey's letters are are great. She's been doing a bunch of adventure time books and stuff too. And yeah, Lumberjane's is the best. And also it's a book for girls and like for all girls and women. <laughs> yeah. Like not just it's not like like it's, some weird it's vertigo so book that's good. just for like 30 year olds it's like you know you could give this to your seven year old right and it's awesome yeah uh brooke came back from the kind of early debut at it, emerald city comic-con and there were already people there in cosplay as the lumberjanes which was amazing yeah and uh yeah and issue two is great what? i've seen some stuff I want <laughs> issue two. uh yeah so maybe we'll just talk about issue two maybe we'll review every issue every issue <laughs> I, th- I, well, I think we should <laughs> oh uh, corner and yeah. uh just for self-plugging ourselves here uh there's like seven or eight variant covers you can get for this uh including in one awesome one by uh maddie flores one by laura and zook which we will all have uh here at the store uh, but we also got an exclusive Big Planet Comics cover by the awesome Daniel Corsetto, who does Girls with Slingshots, which is really cool. Oh, yeah. So it actually says Big Planet Comics inside yep. of all of these Lumberjanes yep. comics. Yep. And then on the back, uh, there's the uh, Lumberjanes Scouts sash for all the badges on it. And one of the badges is Big Planet Comics, which is awesome. Pretty that's awesome. Fun. Yeah. So that's Lumberjanes number one. Buy it. Buy it. And yes. come by Free Comic Book Day and uh, get it signed by Grace Ellis and Brooke Allen, who will be at our College Park and Vienna stores. Yep. yep. Awesome. Cool. Well, that is it for this podcast, you guys. Uh, we reviewed a lot of books. There were a lot of good ones. Uh, Stray Bullets number two, we did not review, but it was really I awesome. I read it. It was, really it was so Also, good. I would like to say that... Uh, the last two issues of Wolverine. <laughs> last two issues of Wolverine were pretty great. Oh, really? But uh, also, I would like to say Sinestro was not very good. <laughs> yep, yep. So let's, uh, Same thing about Nightcrawler. Hey, let's, um, let's end on <laughs> cool. two well negative done, notes. Dude. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it for this episode. We will see you guys next time. See ya. Bye.